Good afternoon. You're listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson. Today's sermon is Education and True Word of Yah, Book of Jubilees, Noah Divides the Land After the Flood, Part 2, Shem. As always, in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to the Lion's Tears Ministry, where I highly urge you to study this information on your own, as it contains maps and other sources out of the world and historical documents that prove what Jubilees says to be accurate. Again, part one is the explanation of Jubilees and the beginning of our land division after the flood. Jubilees 8, 7 through 10 states, And she bare him a son in the fifth year, that's 1503 a.m., Therefore he called his name Eber, and he took unto himself a wife, and her name was Azurad, the daughter of Nebrod, in the thirty-second jubilee, in the seventh week, in the third year thereof, which would be 1564 a.m., and in the sixth year, 1567 a.m., therefore she bare him a son, and he called his name Peleg. For in the days when he was born, the children of Noah began to divide the earth amongst themselves. For this reason, he called him his name Peleg. And that's a Genesis 10, 24-25 reference. And they divided it secretly amongst themselves and told it to Noah. And it came to pass in the beginning of the 33rd Jubilee, 1569 a.m., that they divided the earth into three parts, for Shem, Ham, and Japheth according to the inheritance of each in the first year in the first week, when one of us who had been sent was with them. Genesis 10.32 states, These are the families of Noah, or of the sons of Noah, after their generations, in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Why is it important to understand and know that Noah divided the land? This is the first instance where Abba Yah's people, all mankind, our ancestors, were scattered in the world. How many times did Abba Yah scatter people? Well, that's a sermon for another day coming soon. The nations were divided into three parts. Jubilees 8, 10 through 11. And it came to pass in the beginning of the 33rd Jubilee, 1569 a.m., that they divided the earth into three parts, for Shem and Japheth and Ham, according to the inheritance of each. In the first year and the first week, when one of us who had been sent was with them, and he called his sons, and they drew nigh to him, they and their children, and he divided the earth into lots which his three sons were to take in possession. And they reached forth their hands and took the writings out of the bosom of Noah, their father. Japheth's land fell according to this. Japheth's land, the north, is cold weather. Shem has the middle of the earth, which is a blended weather. And Ham, the south, which is hot weather. Again, I have a picture of a map on here. 
and it gives you the longitudinal and latitudinal lines. Now, when you look at this map, you need to remember, just like you would Hebrew or any ancient text, you read it left to right. The earth was divided horizontally in the time of Haleg, and this is what we see predominantly in our modern times. Longitude lines divide the earth north and south. The land divisions of our ancestors cannot intersect each other. They were separate for a reason. Notice in this Gleason map that I have up here how the North Pole again is in the center of the earth and it runs 180 degrees east to west. Also notice the times and how time is supposed to truly be divided. Below is a photo of Gleason's map in its entirety, which is actually, I should have said above, so I'll have to go edit that out. But anyway, flipping the map will give you a clearer understanding of directions when following Jubilees, and that is what Abba Yah had me do as I had it positioned in a way to actually read it from when I downloaded it, but Abba Yah said, flip it so you can actually be clear. Isaiah 29, 16 through 19 states, Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? Is it not yet a little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful, fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest? And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Longitude and latitude are the two angles that define the precision location of a point on earth or the GPS concordance. Longitude is the angular distance of a place east or west of the meridian at Greenwich, England, or west of the standard meridian of a celestial object. Going with these maps and the definition of longitude and latitude, we now see how these maps are accurate versus what we have been taught to believe, therefore making our sermons accurate with the division of land in Noah's time. Again, the United Nations uses a flat map for a reason. And there is a picture of the new standard map of the world by Gleason in its entirety. So I don't have to change that. I thought I vetted everything. Anyway, Shem's lot of land, the middle of the earth. We are going to use geography to identify where Shem's lot landed. We will be using information that everyone can access. The sermon will also use information from the Genesis Apocryphon of Qumran Cave, one, a commentary by Joseph A. Fitzmaier, and you can find the digital version online. Also, the God Culture, again, is a YouTube channel and has done amazing work. I have a screenshot of the Flat Earth map, and they imposed upon the areas and territories that belong to each Sham, Japheth, and Ham. 
and you can see directly where the territories are. There is a legend to this map as well. The green indicates JPEST territory, the yellow shims, and the purple is hams. Jubilees 812, and there came forth on the writing as Shim's lot the middle of the earth, which he should take as an inheritance for himself and for his sons for the generations of eternity. From the middle of the mountain range of Rafa, from the mouth of the water from the river Tina, and his portion goes towards the west through the mist of this river, and it extends till it reaches the water of the abysses, out of which this river goes forth and pours its waters into the sea Miat, and this river flows into the great sea. And all that is towards the north is Japheth, and all that is towards the south belongs to Shem. So, as a little side note, it is important to understand who names have been changed to fit a narrative and to hide your identity. Some of the names you can't find historical documents on. And if you can, please email me at living in oppressed nations tears at gmail.com because I will add to this. Or if you have an other biblical or non-biblical other religious text or other information that does better than the book of jubilees on the land division and explains how other than the roman and greek indoctrinated information that we've been taught our entire lives please send me that as well i beg you to please dispute this information the Lord God says we are to test all spirits and know them by their fruits. Therefore, you can take my word for it because, again, all the information will have the links to where you can find it. So we are going to start now. The mountain range of Rafa are the modern-day Ural Mountains. From the Latin word Raffine Montes, Raffine Mountains, the name sometimes used by ancient geographers for the Ural Mountains. The Raffine was identified by the Soviet geologist N.S. Shaksky in the northern Urals in 1945. The Ural Mountains, or simply the Urals, are a mountain range that runs approximately from north to south through western Russia, from the coast of the Arctic Ocean to the River Ural and northwestern Kazakhstan. The mountain range forms part of the conventional boundary between the continents of Europe and Asia. The map that I have pictured has the dividing lines highlighted. Again, you must remember looking at the maps you read from left to right, just like Hebrew does or any other ancient um, language. Shem's territory, as pictured, is the darker portion. And this includes modern-day Russia. While, as you will learn in Part 4, Japheth includes the lighter color of Russia, which contains Moscow. That's very important. Russia's climate 
Shem's territory is a blend of weather. In general, the climate of Russia can be described as highly continental, influenced climate with warm to hot dry summers, and very cold winters with temperatures of negative 30 degrees Celsius and lower and lower sometimes with heavy snowfall. The Rafaim Mountains gets their names from Gomer, found in Genesis 10.3. And the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, and Raphaim, are Raphath and Togomar. The mountain range again gets its name from the son of Gomer, who was Gomer. Gomer was the son of Japheth, the nephew of Shem. And remember, names have been changed to conceal your identity. River Tina is our next location that we're going to identify. And that is the modern day Don and Volga rivers, again located along the Rafa Mountains or Ural Mountains. And you can see that in the map that I have provided. From the book, The Genesis Apocryphon of Qumran Cave, a commentary by Joseph A. Fitzmeyer, who, when I looked him up, is a Jesuit Catholic priest. I ask you Catholics, if you listen, have you ever been taught this? This Catholic priest knew information that's vital to our existence. And he writes, as far as the Tina River, this is the Tanaeus, the river regarded as the ancient boundary between Europe and Asia, even though the ancients had no exact knowledge of its length or source. In modern times, it's called the Don and rises in the central Russian upland near Novomoskovsk. It is 1,960 kilometers in length. Passes the city of Voronezh, approaches the Volga River, then turns to the southwest and enters the Tengengroff Gulf of the Sea of Azov. This sea is the ancient lake Maotis, mentioned in Jubilees 8:12, or the Sea of Miat, which borders on the north side of the Pontus Exenius, or the Black Sea. The Tina River is mentioned again. In Jubilee 1615, verse 16, chapter 17, and 6, verse 16, and in Jubilees 8, 12, verse 16, verse 25, 28, chapter 9, 2, and 8. As an ancient boundary, this river is well suited to the type of text of this column listing boundaries of the lands assigned to the grandsons of Noah. In antiquity, the Tanias was often called the River of Science and Sumatria and Pertuis. So again, Joseph A. Fitzmaier from the Genesis Apocryphon of Qumran Cave knew this location. Um, we need to then go understand that the Volga discharges 
into the Caspian Sea, which is located south. And that is another geographical point that we have to look at. Um, it's waters into the Miat Sea, and this river flows to the Great Sea. Again, the Sea of Miat is the Sea of Azov. And I found the Sea of Azov located in a book called Chapter and Handbook of Environmental Chemistry, Volume 5, Water Pollution, published on October 2007. And there is a map of the Gulf of Azov for you to look at as well. During its rich history, the Sea of Azov had many different names. Ancient Greeks called it Maotian Lagoon or the Maotian Lagoon, while Romans referred to it as Palace Maotis, Metatoan Marsh, after the tribe Maote that dwelled on its coasts. This map that I have included of the Sea of Azov includes Crimea, or the Crimea Peninsula and Russia, is dated from 1856 by Johnston Dodd. Jubilee is 8, 13 through 14 states, and it extends till it reaches Caruso, this is in the bosom of the tongue, which looks towards the south. And his portion extends along the Great Sea, and it extends in a straight line till it reaches the west of the tongue, which looks towards the south. For this sea is named the tongue of the Egyptian Sea. Now, in the book of Jewish family names and their origins, an etymological dictionary, we find the name Karasal or Karasau, and it's of a Turkish derivative. Karasau or Karasau is a river in the upper Euphrates in Turkey that runs into Iraq on the Middle East Peninsula, which is considered a tongue shape. But we don't go there. The other theory is that India is Carousel and fits the description better, and that the Indus Valley civilizations discovered in 1999 proves this. India is another tongue that points south and is in Shem's territory, as well as the Indian Ocean. India is a focal point we will help that will help identify where the Garden of Eden truly is, and that is not Africa. Again, you must remember, names have changed to cause chaos and confusion. So, the Mediterranean Sea is our next point. And it states, and this boundary crosses the water of the Great Sea until it reaches Gadir. The Great Sea is common for the Mediterranean Sea. How do we know this? Because Daniel 7 verse 2 tells us. Daniel spake and, I, and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. The great sea is Hebrew word H3221, and it means sea. So we look at the Aramaic corresponding to h 3220, which gives us a better understanding, and it means the Mediterranean Sea. Joshua tells us the Great Sea is the same word as H3220, meaning the Mediterranean Sea. 
Joshua 15:12 And the west border was the great sea and the coast thereof this is the coast of the children of Judah round about according to their families Going back to our flat earth map we see that the outline of Shem's territory does not include the Mediterranean Sea but is alongside of it just as Jubilees tells us the Sinai Peninsula is not Shem's but Ham's as we will read it is going through the waters, not the land, and that will be discussed more in Ham's division. The tongue of the Egyptian sea is mentioned in Isaiah 11.15. Isaiah 11.15 And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with his mighty wind shall the shake of his hand over the river, and shall smite it in the seven streams, and make men go over dry shod. Abiyah always gives geographical locations for where he sends his children, how or where he's going to cause chaos and havoc for disobedience. Geography is in your Bibles for a reason. Keep this in mind as we continue. These places again are real and still exist. However, the names have been changed to hide our identities. Jubilees 8, 15 through 19. And it turns from here towards the south, towards the mouth of the Great Sea, on the shore of its waters, and it extends to the west to Aphra, and it extends till it reaches the waters of the river Gion, and to the south of the waters of Gion, to the banks of this river, and it extends the east till it reaches the Garden of Eden, to the south thereof, to the south, and from the east of the whole land of Eden, and of the whole east, it turns to the east and proceeds till it reaches the east of the mountain named Rapha, and it descends to the bank of the mouth of the river Tina. This portion came forth by lot for Shem and his sons, that they should possess it forever unto this generation forevermore. Now, where is Aphra? Aphra is Africa. The first mention of the river Gion is in Genesis 2.13, and the name of the second river is Gion, the same as it encompasses the whole land of Ethiopia. Gion is H1521, and it means to burst forth. It is one of the rivers of Eden that we talked a little bit about in part one. And we are going to discuss here now. So Gion means bursting forth in Hebrew. The Gion did burst forth during the flood. Encompass is another word that we need to put into context from Genesis 2.13. It states, the same as it compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. So, compass is Hebrew word H5437, and it means to revolve, surround, or enclose. There is no river in Africa that encloses any lands of Ethiopia. Again, I highly urge you to please look at this information as there are maps 
way historical old maps, some from 1500s and 1600s that Abu Yah found. So let's continue. Genesis 7:11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. <clears throat> the word that we need to take out in Genesis 7:11 is the word deep. Deep is Hebrew word H8415 and it means the main sea or the subterranean water supply. It means the deep. If you know anything about geography or geology, you know the trenches of the ocean, and there's a picture of them, are located around your continents and are around the tectonic plates and so on and so forth. The trenches of the ocean, as seen in the above picture, thus the entire earth was transformed or changed because everything in the earth again was covered. Let's continue. Genesis seven eighteen through 20. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Would an all-knowing Abba Yah still use his original design to name places today and in Noah's time? The answer is yes, because nothing has changed to him. It's only changed to us. He even says, a thousand years is like a day to me. So why would he tell us other locations other than his main design? He wouldn't. So mind you, he knows and tells us so that we can know too, if you seek knowledge and understanding. Abba is not going to change the names of his designated places to make you happy. We have to understand that. So this river must revolve around and surround the whole land of Ethiopia. When you do your research, you will find that scholars label Gion with the Nile, and by doing this, they are not applying the true word of Abba Yah or even ancient understanding of how Africa was laid out, because again, I found historical maps and can prove this. So by doing this, they're not applying Abba Yah's word and putting into context what they feel. Don't you think Abba Yah would have said the Nile? If he meant the Nile, the lexicon has no entries for the word Nile. Yet other translations of different Bibles place the word Nile in for rivers and whatnot wherever they see fit. That is why you have got to vet whatever Bible you're also using because again, a narrative has been established. Common sense says that the Nile runs north to south, and Ethiopia in ancient times was a vast land, and the Nile doesn't even begin to encompass the whole land of anything, honestly. So where is the land of Ethiopia? And it is not modern-day Ethiopia. Note that 
the Atlantic Ocean was also once named Ethiopia or Ethiopian Ocean. And modern day Ethiopia is not where Ethiopia was in Noah's time. There is a map of from the 1700s and I'll read its description to you real quick. This map was part of a set of 22 maps dedicated to William, Duke of Gloucester, who lived from July 24th, 1689 to July 30th of 1700, who was then an 11-year-old boy at Oxford. Edward Wells was a church of English or England clergy and advocate for education. He published prolifically, including several atlases of the ancient and contemporary world. Wells was the son of a vicar and entered Christ Church, Oxford in late 1686. Note the land is divided and named. Now, the map that I have, again, from the 1686 to 1700s, includes Ethiopia and the Atlantic Ocean, once named Ethiopian Ocean. It is labeled. You can see the land division. Ethiopia was the majority of Africa with the Sahara Desert and some called Libya. And then it also highlights where the real um, land of Egypt was. So, again, who's wrong? If in eight, six, excuse me, if in 1686, atlases and maps tell you that Ethiopia was huge and vast and that Libya was huge and vast and that Egypt was different and included Arabia and the Sinai Peninsula, then what? How can you disprove this? That's my question. History has his story written all over it, but your modern education system takes God out, and we cannot do that. Modern maps of Africa. As you can see with your wonderful eyes for yourself, modern day Ethiopia is a small country, probably a third or even a fourth of what it once was. And of course, you can see that the names of the oceans have been changed too. The whole land of Ethiopia went from east to west. The changing of history and renaming things again has been done to hide your identity. Even the land of Libya in your modern day maps is nothing compared to what it was in the time of Noah and in 1686. So where is the real rivers from Eden? Remember, Eden and the Garden of Eden are two different places. For your Bible tells you so. Genesis 2.8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Therefore, the garden of Eden has to be in the east. And your child, these lexicon even identifies this area in Asia. And it reads, Hebrew word H, 5731, Eden, 
is a delight or a pleasure Eden of a pleasant country in Asia, the site of which is described in Genesis 2, 10 through 14. So how can you possibly say that Eden or the Garden of Eden is in Africa when it is clearly documented that that is a false narrative? And I'm talking to every pastor that may ever come across this. You cannot legitimately keep spreading false lies and doctrines. You are of the Nicolaitans. The Philippines, Havila or Ophir, very important to learn when we talk about King Solomon. The Philippines, officially the Republic of the Philippines, is an archaeopelagic country in Southeast Asia. Again, as we are looking at the map from the North Pole moving east, Eden and the Garden of Eden cannot be Africa or Mesopotamia. Again, the Chaldees lexicon even states it is in Asia and it is according to Genesis 2 through 10 and 14. So, again, whew. Continental and tectonic plates have moved the lands over the centuries. So we must remember we are looking at Noah's time and not ours. This will make sense too as to who the Magi really were because they came from the Orient regions and that name has been applied to Asians throughout our history. In Spain, there is a book called Colección General de Documentos Revelados a las Isles Filipinas. It is found in the Archivos de Indias de Seville. It was printed in 1920 in Barcelona, Spain by the Campaña General de Tobacos de Filipinas. It's Toma 3, um, 1519 through 1522. Pages... 112 through 138 contain document number 98 describing how to locate the land of Ophir or the Garden of Eden. Again, this information is going to be on all the website sermons so you can vet this for yourself. Document number 98 describes how to locate the land of Ophir. The travel guide started from the Cape of Good Hope in Africa to India to Burma to Sumatra to Molkawas to Borneo to Sulu to China then finally Ophir. Ophir was in front of China towards the sea of many islands where the Mulakans, Chinese, and Lakois met to trade. Huh. So, who's wrong? All your previous history or those who choose to indoctrinate us and feed us false lies. Remember the great deluge we're talking about? Well, the only way that the Gion can encompass all of Ethiopia is that the river is under the ocean. As it always Was it always under the ocean? No, because we learned in part one about Pangaea and how the land was before the flood. Remember, we are discussing after the flood, and Gion in Pison is not the Nile. In part one, we learn that Eden is the North Pole and is different from the Garden of Eden.
The River Guion and Pisan are now a part of the trench system around Africa and the Philippines and is the only way this works, as we see from our geography, to align with what Abba Yah's word says. His word is clear in Jubilees 4.24. And on account of it, God brought the waters of the flood upon all the land of Eden. For there he was set as a sign and that he should testify against all the children of men, that he should recount all the deeds of the generation until the day of condemnation. Jubilees 8, 18 through 19. And Noah rejoiced that this portion came forth from Shem and for his sons, and he remembered all that he had spoken with his mouth in prophecy, for he had said, Blessed be the Lord of Shem, and may the Lord dwell in the dwelling of Shem. And he knew that the Garden of Eden is the Holy of Holies and the dwelling of the Lord and Mount Sinai, the center of the desert, and Mount Zion, the center of the navel of the earth. These three were created as holy places facing each other. Jubilees 8, 20 through 21. And he blessed the God of gods who had put the word of the Lord into his mouth and the Lord forevermore. And he knew that a blessed portion and a blessing had come to Shem and his sons unto the generations forever. The whole land of Eden and the whole land of the Red Sea and the whole land of the East and India and on the Red Sea and the mountains thereof and all the land of Bashan and all the land of Lebanon and the isles of Kuftur and all the mountains of Sanir and Amana and the mountains of Ashur in the north and all the land of Elam, Ashur, and Babel, and Susan, and Media, and all the mountains of Ararat, and all the regions beyond the sea, which is beyond the mountains of Ashur towards the north. A blessed and spacious land, and all that is in it is very good. So, our study of geology, archaeology, scrolls of Qumran, and written history proves that Shem's land was all of Eden, excuse me, all of Asia, China, India, Philippines, Japan, but not the Sinai Peninsula, Russia, everything except what is east of the river Tina, the Don and Volga, and Rafine Mountains or the Ural Mountains. All of Eden, which is the North Pole, and the whole land of the Red Sea, Iran, Iraq, and the Medes. The Medes, from Old Persian Mada, were an ancient Iranian people who lived in an area known as Media and who spoke a Northwestern Iranian lang language referred to as the Median language. The original population area of the Median people was Western Iran and named after them as Media. At the second or at the end of the second millennium BC, the Median tribes emerged in the region, one of several Iranian tribes to do so, which they later called Media. These tribes expand their control over large areas subsequently, and over a period of several hundred years, the boundaries of Media moved. So, Media, Medi, means middle land. 
and we will learn more about the land division in parts three and four, Ham and Japheth. So again, Shem's lamb was the middle of the earth, does not include Africa. And we will see why it does not include Africa when we talk about Ham's territory. As always, it's never goodbye, but I will see you later.